Photo Mission Exposure, a podcast for photographers. Hi, Selena. Thanks for coming in this afternoon and having a chat. No worries. Um, you want to just tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? And Sure. So um, I'm a Brisbane-based birth photographer. Um, I've, I specialise primarily in birth photography, but I also photograph like lifestyle, in-home newborn, uh, maternity and family photography and video a bit as well. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much it in a nutshell, really. <laughs> in a nutshell. So really, so you, you really, you're a documentary photographer because you're that's documenting right. people's lives and that type of stuff. So. Yeah, I do definitely call myself. I call myself the observant documentarian because you know I'm effectively observing and taking taking photographs. So for me, it's trying to be present and and enjoy you know and, and create beautiful moments without actually you know making without my, my my muses really knowing that I'm there so particularly best photography you know I get like I like to use a saying I'm a fly on the wall with a camera yep because that's effectively the way that I see my role yep and that's important to be able to kind of just blend into the background yep. because the best photography in that style is actually done when people aren't really aware of it absolutely you know I do a lot of street photography, and so you'll sit and observe a lot of stuff, but you want to kind of be invisible. Exactly. You don't want to have an influence on what people are doing because you've got a camera, because it just changes the whole dynamic of, of yeah. what you're trying to capture. So. It, it, it certainly does. I mean, I, I also love to do, you know, I also love to photograph travel and, and street photography and, you know, sort of other types of documentary photography in my own time. That's not what my business primarily is, but uh, I do enjoy those other genres and those other areas as well. So, yeah. yeah. I, I want to take you back to when you first start, first picked the camera up, because that's always interesting for people. <laughs> At what age did you first kind of get introduced to photography? Well, interestingly enough, I had this conversation with my parents very recently because my dad has also got a very keen interest in photography and is also a photographer now. Um, and we we tried to trace it back as to when that first started and we, we've put that I was 12 on, on officially yep. um, is when I had held my first camera. And, you know, for me, that was, it was one of those tiny little, tiny, I can't even know what, a little Panasonic or it was a little camera that had the, the, the film that went in the back of it that had the two round bits and the, the, the film one, that the went... 110 format. The 110 format. That's the... See, I don't even remember the name of it because <laughs> that was so, so young. Um, but the 110 format. So that was my first camera. It was a 110. Uh, and, you know, I picked that up and I went on a trip. Um, I used to be an athlete, so I used to be in little athletics and I went on a big trip um, as part of that and took that with me and I was more interested in taking photos than I wasn't actually Competing? learning to run and compete and... Yep. and be an athlete so which was very interesting so that's where it first started uh, and then as time went by I, I photographed my first page shoot in 1999 uh, on a film camera at the same time it was a Nikon um, f50 I think yep. and it it's something that I, I love doing and it was a it was a wedding um, weddings weren't exactly my cup of tea but I did enjoy them and you know that point in time thinking about entering the um, the photography industry I felt that maybe weddings was the place where the money would be made um, wasn't really doing it out of passion um, yep. passion for me really was landscapes and nature and wildlife and 
and documentary photography and natural stuff. So yeah. that's really where my passion sort of started. Yeah. So, so you were talking about your passion about the landscape and that type of stuff. Yep. Um, and that's type of stuff that you shoot for yourself, basically, yeah. is it? Yeah, yeah that, that sort of stuff is stuff that I shoot for myself. I think it's important that while you're in business that you've actually got your own personal projects that you do and, and helps to keep the passion. So that's really an important thing to me. And photography reminds me why I entered the genre in the first place or the entered photography in the first place, um, you know, as opposed to just doing it for business all the time. So, so that's sort of, so 99 was effectively where I started my first paid job. And after that did a lot of shoots for primarily for family and friends and, you know, that then they then referred other people and then I started to develop a wedding business. So eventually I think I, I changed to digital in, I felt, so I started in 99, I changed in around 2000, early 2000s yep. over to digital. Um, stuck with the Nikon brand um, at the time as well. Is that I, because the, lens, the lenses were obviously interchangeable and you could just keep using yeah, the same kit? Yeah, well I also liked the, the Nikon gear at that time as well. So, so I started off, that's effectively where my roots began is with the Nikon gear. Um, I changed over to Canon uh, in about, oh, about five or six years ago. Yep. Um, but, you know, that was for change of gear to try and change, uh, a suit the current needs for my current business as yep. opposed to, to um, changing brands. I was also working with some photographers um, that were using the Canon brands and so being able to utilise lenses and, and do stuff, you know, with with those people allowed me to have that gear to, yep. to do that with. So, so for me, in terms of, you know, I got um, personal circumstances, family circumstances in, you know, around about 2005 saw a really big shift for me personally. And so I gave up, I walked away from photography for a little while. Uh, it was one of those things that um, I never really never really wanted to give it away and, and eventually it was interesting that, that some of those personal circumstances eventually led me back into photography so I, at that point uh, it was actually photography that you know went through some really really dark times in my life and at that point it was actually photography that kept me alive Yep. Um, because that passion and that ability to just go out on my own and take photos and just find who I am and what I wanted to do and who I wanted to be um, photography was the, the vessel with with which I used for that. Yep, and that's a story that I a lot of photographers tell me um, how photography is a therapy. Absolutely. Um, and it's hard for non-photographers to sometimes understand the fulfilling satisfaction you get from photography and how you, you can be with yourself, yep. but you can be at peace. Yeah. Um, and um, like I said, it, it's interesting and it's around the world now, there's actually some been some work done around using photography to help treat people who are with depression, anxiety and those types yeah. of things as a, as a tool to be able to give them a creative outlet. And I think that photographers are traditionally very creative people. Yeah. Um, and like I said, you, you're, you're at your happiest when you're creating. And I don't know about you, but quite often you can have withdrawal symptoms when you're not being able to get out of your camera because of exactly. whatever reasons. Yeah. 
And I mean, that for me, photography has been, you know, like mental health is something I have struggled with. And I think a lot of creatives actually struggle with that. And I don't know whether that's because as creatives, it's this, the parts of our brains that we use that then, you know, I mean, I haven't studied that, but I'm sure that there are studies around that. And I know a lot of photographers or artists, you know, musicians, you know, painters, a lot of them, uh, you know, struggle with mental health. And, and whether it's as a result of the parts of the brain that you know we that those of that have the creative juices you know that we also struggle with those other areas too because of the parts of the brain that we are programmed with so it's a, that's you know that's a completely different topic but you know that that's just an interesting thing that I've often pondered you know because I do see it a lot in photographers that we struggle a lot um, particularly uh, with mental health yes yep. so mental health I think is a really important thing that we are you know we sh- we need to be very mindful of particularly in our industry you know having known that um, and experiencing that and I mean even even to this day you know I will actually pick up my camera if I've had a bad day I will actually pick up my camera and I've got little spots around Brisbane that I actually go and I will take photographs yep. and we, recently in fact uh, you know I had has had a pretty awful day you know sort of late last year and I picked up my camera and I headed into Brisbane City and I did I did a street walk yep. on my own with me and my camera while I listened to my music and it was just me and my ability to create. Yep. And some of those images that I, I created from that have now been entered into awards and it'll be interesting to see um, how they go. So yep. I can't say much more than that, but um, yeah, it'll be really kind of fun to see where those images actually head. But a lot of the time, a lot of those images actually have come come about or the, the resulting images have come about as a result of me being in a in a poor headspace yeah so funnily enough in 2000 and now I'm testing 2017 I actually won Queensland Travel Photographer of the Year and the images that I won with um, that won that portfolio or that category with were actually images that I created in Las Vegas when I went over um, in 2000 and early 2017 and you know I'd had a really difficult time prior to leading up to prior to me going um, and so I had actually questioned as to whether or not I should be there or should I be here with my family instead yeah and so the day that I got there you know I had quite a a big meltdown because I didn't know anybody I was there on my own I had no idea what I was doing I had no idea who I was engaging with and so it was it was very daunting yep. and then at the same time I had all this other stuff personal stuff happening at home that I'm like well how do I deal with that so you know it was I was in that headspace of why am I here and so you know my wonderful husband John was awesome enough over the phone to go Selena pick up your camera go down the strip and go and create go yep. and find some stuff and so I did and I, I took his advice um, which I don't always do but yeah I <laughs> took his advice and I headed down to the strip and I made I created a, a whole stack of images that, and four of those took out travel category that year. So it was a really interesting thing um, to a really exercise, a really interesting exercise to yep. go and actually do. Yep, and it's interesting. I, there's a forum that I regularly ask questions on, and um, one of the questions that I asked was about what type of photographer are you? Are you a lone wolf photographer? Do you photograph with a group of people? And surprisingly, a large number of people say, no, I just go out, I take my camera, and it's me because I don't have to please anybody. I don't have to adhere to their timetables. I can just go out and create, and if I want to create, and, you know, sometimes the hours just disappear. Mm. Um, So it's interesting how 
And that's exactly what you're describing there is, is, is basically that process where you can just go out, you've got your camera mm. and the world and it's amazing when that happens and the things that you can create and that feeling that it actually, you know, gets you through. And like I said, the very first um, uh, photographer we had on this series of exposure um, talked about how she had to get out of photography for a period. and But in the end, photography kind of saved her, brought her yeah. back in, and, and she used that to deal with some issues. And, and I think it's really important, you know, um, having those conversations around mental health. And I think now it's very much we're starting to see a big shift that the stigmas moved yeah, away. Definitely. You know, the world is a very fast-moving place. Um, and for a lot of people now, and I, I feel for younger people too because, mm. because I feel like when we were younger, the, the world wasn't moving quite as fast. Now there's so much pressure, there's so much you know, um, stuff put on, on the younger generation to deal with it. And I think that's why we do see, you know, there's a lot of mental health. Yeah. And unfortunately, it's not, it's not an area where governments aren't putting enough money into it. Yeah. Um, so it's good that everyone can, you know, if you can find something that helps kind of get you through that type of thing. So. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I want to talk a bit about some of the, um, the professional type of stuff that you would shoot. So in a, in a given week of going out, shooting something, what's a, what would your week look like? So primarily at the moment, uh, my week tends to, uh, this last week has involved photographing two births. Uh, you know, it's been a bit of a quiet week with other portraits and stuff because kids are back at school finally, um, but <laughs> after eight weeks. Uh, but you know, a standard week for me, you know, w it would be often a birth or two, yep. depending upon how many I've got that do that month and where they actually fall because you can't because you can't you can't you that. can't plan no. these things so i was <laughs> going to say doing the birth photography is interesting because it's hard to schedule you can say look i want you to have the baby Impossible between eight and nine <laughs> o'clock on wednesday morning that'd be really great well, well i often laugh sometimes with my clients when i'm talking to them on the phone you know sort of in the lead up to their due dates i often will laugh and say oh you know what friday afternoon works for me um and we just have a giggle about that uh, we had one client i had one client that i photographed on friday afternoon of this week just gone and it was literally like you know i spoke to her yeah friday afternoon would work for me oh friday afternoon works for me too and so and it ended up being friday afternoon mm -hmm. so it, it that one was kind of fun but um if, you know, more often than not, I get phoned at three o'clock in the morning. You know, in November, I ended up in hospital with pneumonia uh, and I had a client go into labour while I was in hospital and I couldn't just leave my hospital bed to come look after no, her. No. So I had to, um, I had to contact one of my, my backup photographers and um, which backups are an essential part of being a birth photographer. You can't be a birth photographer without a backup. Well, that's the thing too, because that's right. And births can happen at any time of day or night. That's right. Mm. Um, so, and there's, you know, sometimes you've got other pressing things that you have to deal with yeah. that you can't say, okay, I've got to put everything on hold. Um, if it was kind of business hours, you can get people to cover for other family matters, but you can't. So it does make a bit of a challenge. But yeah. So um, it's kind of interesting birth photography because it is, a, for most people, it's, it's a very personal thing as well. Absolutely. And, and I suppose... Um, at the moment, there's kind of been a little bit of stuff about birth photography and about, you know, hospitals maybe not allowing photographers the access hmm. they once had, which is kind of, you know, it's one of those things you can kind of understand if the photographer's in there and creating a dangerous situation or whatever. 
Yeah. Um, have you had the, that experience of? Yeah, we had um, we have had an issue recently with the Royal Brisbane um, here in in Queensland, and um, it, you know they there was an incident or a number of incidents within the hospital, uh, which I'm not 100 percent you know a privy to, uh, but there was a couple of spot a couple of times when they when photos were taken or, or photographers didn't stop um, taking photos when they should have. And so as a result of that, the Royal Brisbane said, no, no photos. And it wasn't, and unfortunately a decision like that affected not just photographers, but also dads, parents, grandparents. Yeah. Um, nobody could photograph. And, you know, that was a really big deal for me, uh, not just because I've got a vested interest and, in, you know, my business is based on birth photography, but also because those photos, I've seen the power of those photos for families. You know, for a dad not to have a photograph of him cutting the cord, for example, yeah. when that's something he really wants is that's a really big deal yep so we um you know we I, I went out to fight for it and and you know I was wonderful and I had wonderful enough to have the Australian Institute of Professional Photographers at AIPP on my side and they have been absolutely incredible with supporting um, our contact of the hospital and we are literally in the process of having talks with the hospital at the moment to come up with some ways around that and to rather than just ban photography to actually work out what what is going to work for them as well as working for for our for our for us as, as photographers but also working for you know, the primary reason working for the patients working for the families trying try to get that balanced outcome so both parties basically you know get a sensible outcome because i think in in the world we have sometimes gone a bit too politically correct in some areas and as a result of that it has intensive unintended consequences on people that's right. mm. and and like I said and for some things like a birth that's you can't just go and do it next week no, just can't. say oh look, we'll just redo the whole thing um, come back it's kind of one of those things that you get the one shot at yeah exactly yeah and, and it's kind of said and it is a very personal thing and those photographs don't mean much to people outside the family but to those family members they're they're quite a bit it's interesting, though, you know, that you say that because, you know, even though, like, it obviously means a great deal to the parents, but I'm getting more and more clients that are coming to me who it's their first grandchild or it's, you know, and it, those photos are actually important now to their you know, extended family as well. And so, like, one of the things that I, I do and I talk to clients about is like, well, is there anybody else that you want to be photographed when the baby arrives? So do you want your grand is there grandparents that, you know, would love to have photos with the baby? Are there siblings that you want to involve? And so it actually is extending further now from just just the parents to these all these other people. I've got a, a, the, the birth I photographed on Friday, actually. It's the third time that I photographed a birth with her. So I've done three of her babies, yep. which to be asked back again is wonderful. Um, but I've actually gotten to know her family now. And so, you know, when her parents came in to see her and I actually got a hug from her mum because I've become a bit of part of the family. family. You, well, you've, you've been there for some, some, some of the most important milestones in any family. That's right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, and there's, you know, other things happening that I can't say, <laughs> that, yeah. that other things to do with that family that are happening at the moment, which is also very exciting. Yeah. So. You know that but it just goes to show you know those so so to have somebody like the have the royal brisbane do what they do did you know was was actually devastating because for, for me as a, as a experienced photographer experienced in the medical industry it was really i work really hard to build a good reputation a good rapport with the staff and with the hospitals 
And, you know, one of the reasons, one of the ways that that's been pretty obvious recently is I was actually invited into the theatre at the MARTA because they knew me, they, the, the doctors and staff knew me. And, and that's the thing, like, when you know your way around and you know what where your boundaries are and when you stop and where you start, that sort of thing. Mm. It was interesting, um, last week's podcast we had um, the photographers use a lot of stuff using a drone and mm. she's really going for her reclassification for her drone licence and all the extra paperwork and she talked about how someone you know flew a drone to Bunnings to get a sausage oh my god and and the the impact <laughs> the impact that's had on on the industry yeah. the, the for people using drones commercially to get their income is that she's had to put together this massive thing to get accredited again yeah um, and she said which takes her away from her business yeah. where she's she follows all the rules and it's that's what happens a few well, photographers don't don't yeah, yeah and it, but it's interesting how society will just shut something down based on mm. on a very small number of incidents yeah you know um i know it's kind of not related but it's kind of interesting someone was saying about um the current thing about the pill testing at festivals mm. someone was saying the statistics for how many people are taken by sharks killed by sharks each year and we're always talking about drum lines and doing these things of sharks. More people die at festivals taking these pills. Taking pills, yeah. It's just society has to get that balance right. Yeah, and it's always going to be a tussle. It's always going to be refining that process. And, you know, like I, I totally understand where the Royal Brisbane are coming from. And, you know, I support them and you know, for what they did and I understand why they did what they did. Uh, however, banning photography, I don't believe, was the the solution. No. You know, I do. I'm a I'm a I'm a solutionist. You know, I yep. like to go. If someone hands me a problem, I'm going right. Well, there's got to be a fix for this. So, you know, working with them to come up with what is okay for photographers and what is not okay for photographers, and what do the hospital need in order to allow those families to have photographers. Yep. You know, working together. It's all really about collaboration, and I think collaboration both within the industry and outside of the industry is crucial a lot a lot of industries use a thing called a work method statement and a work method statement actually sets out how you will go about your job in a safe way and what it will also do is is that you identify the potential yeah. risks and you um, describe the control methods you're going to use to manage that risk and really that's what you're talking about is mm. that photographers who know what they're doing um, know the boundaries know what's safe and, and, and what not and it's just that broad brush approach okay we've got a problem so we'll just shut everyone down yeah so. yeah and i mean i'm really i'm actually really excited about where we're heading with that with the royal brisbane i think it's you know it's really positive that they're working with us and they've come to us to, to work on it so it's really really awesome step in the right direction and oh. you know, it's just a matter of coming up with something that works for us both yeah and i think you kind of touched on you talked about um how the um, immediate family like to be involved in these processes and what's happened with photography and how photography has grown is you know if you go back to people's grandparents they probably had very few wedding pictures taken because mm. you know photography was kind of a I think that could have been quite expensive but again in, you know there wasn't the, the technology to take lots of exposures so it was very limited so they have a handful of photos um, going back to when they had their first child back then you know they the, the photos probably started when the child was well at home. So a lot of things had happened. Hmm. Now we've got the ability to be able to capture and record that stuff. And I think it, people have become accustomed to it. Yeah. 
and they appreciate the, the fact that you've got, um, can document this stuff and you can go back and like I said, so people who can't be present yeah. for whatever reason, you know, there's lots of reasons, work commitments, um, illnesses or whatever, they couldn't be in that same environment because they're not well at the time. Mm. That to be able to, to deliver that product that gives them that moment back again. Yeah, I, I actually had one client and, and so it's interesting you mentioned that, I had one client from December and the reason she engaged me to photograph her birth was because her mum was terminal yep. and she was she was actually induced early so that she could have the baby so she could actually fly with the baby to go and see her mum before she passed away and those photos were crucial for her. Yes. I wasn't actually able to unfortunately photograph the 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 mother with meeting the granddaughter uh, because they they had to fly somewhere to do that and they, they I couldn't go with them but she I did encourage them to and I mean I know this is going to sound really bad on a professional photography podcast but you know I actually encouraged them to just take out their phones take yep. a little camera and take some photos of the moment that the mother met the grandmother met yep. the grandbaby uh, and she did that and I saw them recently and they've I've said you know they showed me the photos and oh my god I, I cried because yep. the mother grandmother passed away on the 28th of December yep. so she she got to meet the baby the baby flew at three days of age to go and see to go and meet her grandmother um, but the benefit of, of me encouraging her to do that and it, it just goes to show that you know photography is more more than just the gear it's about the moments about the images and they took these beautiful photographs of the grandmother and the grandbaby, or whether they're on a phone, whether they're on a little camera, I don't really care. Yep. But I've encouraged them. She's like, well, she's actually sent them to me, and we're actually going to be putting them in her album. Yep. Because those photos are, you know, as well, in they're addition part of to the, the story. Birth, that's part of her story. Mm. So, you know, that photo photography is powerful, you know, in so many ways. And, and I see it in my business all the time, the, the different stories the different people I photograph from surrogacies to IVF families to, to stillbirths to, you know, these sorts of stories. It, they're just, it's just powerful and it's, I love doing it. I yeah. love it for that reason. And we're at an interesting time, Selena, when um, I kind of see a problem in the future with photography from the point of view. I come from a background where I shot a lot of film, yeah. a lot of transparencies. Um, negatives were gold, you hung yeah. onto your negatives. Um, your prints were also you know, important as well. We live in an era now where a lot of stuff is captured on the phone and that's great. What I worry about is moving forward into the future and 30 years from now, that family to be able to recover some of that stuff. Now stuff that's been produced by a professional photographer yeah. is going to be on a format where it's going to be easy archivable because you've already given it to them kind of an archive form or it's an album that you've done, you've created a prints and that type of stuff. But there's also that you keep a, a copy of those things as well. Mm. I think moving forward, this is going to be the big challenge with you know camera phones and, and other devices is where are these images going? Um, we're not going to have them. And I think that's why it's important to people to look at you know those special moments, engage someone to, to give them the job to capture that. Absolutely. And then basically create that time capsule absolutely and I, and I think that's actually what's driving the mirrorless revolution at the moment you know with all the change in mirrorless cameras you know it's they're they're more affordable um, and yet they've got the technology and and the quality and I think that that's where that's where we're heading that's where we're that's where the world is going right now is mirrorless yeah and I think yeah. we'll be, you know full frame I shoot full frame mm. so the advantage there's more full frame mirrorless cameras hitting the market yeah and I, I must have been I 
Um, I'm, and it's probably because of my starting off as shooting 35mm film is I do like the, the DSLR format, so I'm just so used and comfortable with it. And, you know, I've been given mirrorless cameras to play with and, and I haven't really connected with them, but I understand mm. where they're going with it. And I think it will be, you're right, it will be the future. But it also allows you to get in there and to be, I suppose, a bit more invisible. Especially in seems like weddings and events like that, where um, you know it's funny. I told this story to someone the other day. Um, my son's just recently got into photography, so he's you know saying, "Oh, Dad, where can we go to shoot?" And I took him to the the Mount Cooper Botanical Gardens. I so love that uh, beautiful there, some heaps of things, and he's off shooting something, and I'm shooting something. And this family came walking through, and, and they would have had you know a couple of kids, and it was about an eight-year-old boy. So I've got a Canon, you know full frame camera and, and lens hanging off me and the little boy says to his dad, dad, I want an old fashioned camera like that man's got. And it's interesting, <laughs> I thought, because that's the way young kids see DSLRs. That's this old mm. dinosaur. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's fun. and I kind of stopped, I was a bit taken back, but then I kind of understand, yeah. well, he's, his family's probably, the camera that they own is their phone. That's what they take pictures with, and then he sees someone taking these pictures, and he's seen images of it. So yeah. And I mean, I'm certainly I'm 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 not concerned about you know camera phones and all that stuff, phone cameras, uh, and all that sort of stuff getting you know taking over the the photography industry. I yeah, they look they're improving those some of those devices all of the time, and you know I mean my Samsung camera can take a pretty decent shot yep. if I really wanted to. Um, you know, so, you know, I'm not, too, but I'm not concerned about that because I think at the end of the day, people will still want to, you know, once they go to blow those photos up, you know, they're, they're still going to want to engage proper photographers to do it for them. And look, on a camera phone, you can take one or two pretty good images, like people who maybe, who are not normally photographers, they can get one or two good images. As soon as things get a little bit complicated with light, and that type of stuff and that's when your skills come into play that's because right. you know how to deal with it and i think that's why there's always going to be a need for you know commercial photographers because yeah. i think that the challenge at the moment for the industry is to try and get people to understand the value in having good you know photographers yeah, take your pictures and that's always a challenge because as you know i mean there's a lot of people coming into this industry as well because you know it's kind of yes those cheap entry-level cameras mean that people can very cheaply outfit themselves and say, hey, I'm a photographer. Mm. And I think that's where, you know, it, it becoming more about, less less about the gear and more about the skill and more about the education and, and more about what you can do for a customer or a client that they can't do for themselves. Yeah. You know, like they can't print beautiful images from those photos. They can't photograph themselves in a way that doesn't, look like a silly selfie yeah More, you know i mean some people manage to do that quite well but you know it, it, i think it's um, it's important you know like i've got dads in the birth suite that and in fact this is one of the biggest things that i get from clients all the time is like oh yeah my husband took some amazing photos last time but they were on the camera and they weren't real flattering um and you know sort of coming to me going so i want this done properly this time well it's composition like, composition is very important because obviously like i said yeah. it, it's there's a lot of factors to take into place and I, I saw mean, photography angles everything. <laughs> it, it is too, but, but too, but you've got to do it in a way too that that it's kind of yes, it's 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 um, 
it is flattering to people and you're not yeah. painting them in a bad light. Um, and I think, yeah, that, that takes skill. You know, the only people can do that is if you do it day in, day out, yeah. you get to understand how to photograph somebody in that situation and make it look beautiful um, where someone's just snapping a picture. And composition, you touched on when you first got here when we were talking, you can't teach people composition. People either have an eye for it or not. That's right. And it's interesting, some people want to be photographers and they really try really, really hard. But if they can't kind of work out how to craft that picture in yeah. frame, it just doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. You just, I mean, you, you can try and encourage people to, to, to find their eye. But I really believe that, you know, most creatives will have the eye for photography and then they'll, they'll work out how to use it. Yeah. Um, you know, as opposed to it being something that can be taught. I mean, you can talk settings. You can, you, sorry, you can teach settings. You can teach, you know, how to use gear. You can, you know, I mean, you can, in a way, talk about the, the the laws of composition and and the thoughts. You know, thinking about angles and and you can teach lighting. You know, all of that stuff can be taught. But when it comes to actually seeing a picture before you take it, that's something that you can't teach. And I think that primarily comes. You can develop it. So you, as you know, you've got to you know be able to develop it, and that comes from just immersing yourself in photography twenty four seven, not taking pictures that time, but you know often thinking you know you're constantly thinking about photos and constantly looking outside the box, and and that's where for me, not just being a birth photographer, but doing those other personal projects is really crucial, because it actually makes me look out think outside the box and and explore other areas and then you know there's stuff I learned from that that then get brought back into my business yep. so I think people need to be mindful of there is there is some you know rules in photography that have been followed and it's kind of the traditional you know rule of thirds and composition yeah. and those sort of things but it's like a professional photographer actually has a whole bunch of other tools in the toolbox to pull out because sometimes that won't work mm. and you need a different approach but it's knowing when to pull those out and that's the difference. That's that's what makes a, a photographer, mm. you know, from a non-photographer. And, and that's where, you know, like I would always encourage anyone that really wants to expand some of those skills and to expand that eye and that out, looking outside the box to do some street photography or some documentary photography because you can't control what happens. Yes. You have to find those images. You have to compose those shots. You have to just work with what you've got. You can't tell someone to stand there and and point this direction and you know sort of head out and down you know it's it's not one of those things that you know it, the, the wonderful thing about documentary and street photography and stuff like that is it's you you have to work with what you've been given and, and timing is so important yeah you know, that decisive moment yeah you know when something is happening and it's reading it's reading the play yeah. what's happening how this is unfolding and sometimes waiting for that decisive moment, you know, not just waiting, not just snapping and going, oh, yeah, that'll do. Actually waiting for the right person to walk into the right part of the frame <laughs> at the right time. You know, that's, that's a decision from a photographer, a photography decision. So, you know, there are some things in documentary that I believe you can control and, and it's, it's when you press that button really yep. is the key and waiting for the right time. Yeah. It's definitely a big one. That's a big one. Um, Interestingly, um, how does social media fit into your what you do? I, I noticed one of your Instagram posts, and I think it might have been an image you posted yesterday, and someone made a comment on it. And it, it, it's, a, it's a great photo showing yeah. a birth, and someone made a thing, and I think you said keep scrolling. 
which yeah. I thought was a really good <laughs> I did. <laughs> I love that you found that. Yeah, yeah, they did. Yeah, somebody posted it was a it was a birth photo and quite an award winning birth photo that's actually won awards, um, in 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 London, Las Vegas, yep. Melbourne, here in Queensland. It was part of the image that won me Queensland Professional Photographer of the Year in two thousand and eighteen last year, uh, and it's an amazing shot of a baby being born. Yep. I mean, we we all came out at some point, almost if it wasn't that way, it was out of the tummy, you know, so yeah. we were all born once. So it's not something that I feel should be so taboo as taboo as it is. But yeah, when they when he, when he they made that comment, it's like I felt like going, well, why are you following my page? You know, yeah, just I, keeps, I thought it was beautiful. Scrolling. I thought it was a beautiful comeback. I thought it was just really good. So, you know, well, if you don't, <laughs> you don't want to see what's happening here, just go somewhere else. Keep scrolling. Just yeah. keep scrolling. Because it's interesting because, I mean, look, there's some taboos around, like, you know, breastfeeding in public. Yeah. And it's kind of a weird one because it's such a natural thing and it's kind of been, I don't know, demonised yeah. to be something that to be ashamed of. And it's, you know, I don't get society when we have some other things at the other end of the scale which probably should be mm. demonised but they seem to be normalised. I know, it's, it's, it's a weird time we live in yeah it is and and look birth photography is certainly something that has you know i did um some research on it recently and and looked at statistics this time last year actually and you know interviewed or or, um, surveyed a few birth photographers a number of birth photographers around the world and i wanted to try and identify exactly when birth photography started to become popular become a thing yeah. yeah and you know based on the responses that I got you know the most photographers started or shot their first births between any time between 2008 and 2018 yeah so that was really interesting for me uh, so the first record I think I found was that somebody had photographed a birth in 1992 yeah um, but after that there was only one here or there Whereas the people working in the industry today started you know between now and, and 2008. So, and it's grown exponentially. There's more photographers that have photographed birth in 2008, 17, 2018 than any other year. Um, so it was quite an interesting exercise to, to see that. And I think look, that's been, I mean, partly driven, I think, by social media. Absolutely. A lot of people have put their lives out there and they like to be able to kind of tell that story. And, and, and like I said, when it's done, when it's done tastefully and nice, it's, it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, I mean, some people, it's, a, it's like everything, you can overdo it, <laughs> yep. which we do see. But when people do get it right, it is nice to have that story. And, and look, part of a photographer is to tell the stories. Yeah, it, it is. My, my philosophy, particularly around my business, my, um, my, my values around my business is around emotion and connection and relationships. You know, there are photographers out there that love the raw stuff and just love to, you know, put everything out there and just, you know, make it all about the delivery and all about the birth. And, you know, and that's not me. You know, I've never been like that and I don't ever want to be like that. For me, I've always believed and I mean there's places for that people some people love that for me it's always been my values um, and that transfers and crosses over onto my social media pages um, is around those relationships and those connections it's interesting I had a um, the first photographer we had on and we were talking about she's a wedding photographer and talk about her her favorite time in a wedding and it's when she isolates the bride and groom away from everyone and she lets them have five minutes to themselves yeah so they can absorb what's going in and she goes that's when she gets her best pictures mm. that interaction that's beautiful because because they are now 
kind of trying to take make sense of everything that's gone on um, and she's been able there to capture that and that's her favorite part of a wedding and it's interesting because that's what you're basically saying yeah in birth there's times where you really want to grab those images yeah. and it's about those connections and those type of things and and they're the kind of like I said they're, they're the most powerful photos mm. and well for me my favorite time of a birth is that five to ten minutes after the baby's arrived yes you know when they've gone they when you just see them that raw emotion authentic moments just yep. falling in love with that baby falling in love with each other you know the woman going oh my god I can't believe I did it you know yep. and just you know some for some of them discovering what they've had you know they yes. don't even know what they've had so for me the magic is those first 10 minutes after the baby arrives I, I love the delivery itself too. I love it because I'm a mum of four and, you know, I've had two natural births and two cesareans. And for me, you know, to be able to see a woman do, do get through that, you know, and, and make and be able to see what her body can do and what she can do is quite an incredible thing. So I, I do love that too. It's not, that's not everybody's cup of tea. Yep ends up being around, I did statistics again, I'm a bit of a, I like doing yeah, a bit like of doing statistics, statistics yeah. I do, I do. Um, so I, I did statistics around that recently too, I, I went through 90 something births that I've, I've photographed over 100 now, um, 90 something births and I actually sat down and I calculated how many of the images that I actually delivered to my family, so not the ones I shot, but the ones I delivered to my families, how many of them were actually between pushing the pushing stages and the baby on the mum's chest. Yep. Which I would effectively call, you know, that moment of delivery. And it ended up being statistically about 4.25% of the entire story that I delivered to my families. Yep. So, which is such a small amount. Um, and yet, I think, unfortunately, birth photography has got quite a poor name or people think of it in quite a... They, there's a misconception around what it actually is. And then the name's the right thing for it, but it's the wrong thing for it. Yes, yep. So, you know, because to me, birth photography, it's about documenting the entire journey. Yep. It's not just about documenting that moment. It's the entire journey from labour through to, to, to delivery and then obviously the moments afterwards. I, I often use the analogy that it's a bit like the wedding kiss. You know, it's one of the most important moments in the entire day, but yet it's such a short and sweet moment. Yes. Important. But, yeah, important to be documented, yep. but yet such an important thing. And, and, and expected. Expected. To be, to be documented as well. And, I mean, imagine if, imagine if we didn't document the wedding kiss, you know. Yeah. Like, and this is something that we've, we're, we've trying to have that conversation with the royal with because they are sort of trying to go, well, you know, we, we don't want you documenting the actual delivery. It's like, yeah, but what if you had a wedding photographer and they didn't photograph the wedding kiss? It's, yeah. it's not, it's an important part of it's the story. It's kind of like, it's a missing piece of it. It's like doing the jigsaw, the 500 word part jigsaw, That's and right. you get to the end and you've got one piece left. That's right. It's kind of like, well, it's, it's, it never feels bright, does it? No, no. <laughs> so it's really, it's really important and, and we are fighting for that. We are working with the Royal to help them understand the importance of yep. that side of things as well. So what advice would you give people who say were looking at becoming a, a commercial photographer, um, working in maybe the space that you're working in, um, is there any advice you could do or things you do differently? Or I think because of, because of the fact that birth photography is a, a no-do-overs um, genre, you know, that I would encourage anyone looking to head into birth to actually study or explore photography of other genres first. Um, you know, primarily low-light photography, street photography, documentary photography, that sort of stuff. And to sort of get their head around their gear and their head around, you know, being prepared for the spontaneous moment. 
Um, but not only that, also to practicing low light photography, because all of those skills that they will learn in those various spaces will set them up for success in yep. birth photography. Because birth photography is not one of the areas where you can really use lighting so much. No. <laughs> No, light is a really big issue. You know, I've, I've photographed home births that have had two candles burning and that's yep. the only light you could do. And to be able to photograph in that environment is not easy. So, yeah, yeah I mean, I do, a lot of the time people do ask, do you use flash? Yes, I do use flash. So I'm going to answer that question for anybody that's interested. <laughs> yeah. um, yes, I do use flash, but I'm very cautious. I'm very careful in mindful. how I manage and mindful in how I, how I use that flash. Yep. So uh, there's only, you know, some very specific time frames, you know, mainly around the pushing delivery yep. you know, immediate moments afterwards that I will only use my flash. Yep. Um, the other times, you know, I manage light in other ways. And well, I was going to say that. Do you, do you use prime lenses typically for... I do, yeah. Yep. So, and that's for the speed and the obviously, um, you know, what you can get out of a prime over yeah. a zoom. I currently shoot with my favourite lens is um, the 35mm uh, Sigma Art lens, uh, Sigma Art 35mm one. Yeah, and I think I think you'd have a you'd have a heap of people putting their hands up about that lens. Oh yeah, I love that <laughs> lens. It, it started off as my fa like the 50mm started as my favourite, and then the the birth suites and the bathrooms got smaller, smaller so then so I had to go for that, that extra. Ridge. So I currently have 24, 35, and 85, 100mm macro, 24 to 70. Yep. Uh, and a 70 to 200 for f more family stuff. Yeah. But those sorts of lenses, you know, obviously not all Sigmas, uh, those sort of lenses are, are really quite important. Um, I'm about to purchase myself a mirrorless. Yeah. So um, I'm about to get the new um, Nikon Z6. Yeah. I did test it in a berth recently. I absolutely fell in love with it. You know, I was shooting at a really high ISO level and uh, and you know, no, virtually no grain. And you were getting usable images out of and it. And I was getting amazing images. Yeah. You know, it was amazing. So I'm really super excited about changing over to to the mirrorless. And the benefit of having a mirrorless like the Nikon Z6 um, is that, it, that it's sound free. There's, yes. you know, like even the lens of the DSLRs that I use now have even on silent still make a mechanical sound. Sound, yeah. So and you know, a completely quiet room. That's a real problem. Yes. It's really loud. So, you know, being able to have shoot with a camera that doesn't have that is going to be... I'm really looking forward to it. I'm really excited about the direction I'm heading with my gear. So. Yeah. And I think, look, it's interesting for people getting into photography. Um, they probably don't find... They, they take a long time to find primes. I think people mm. don't discover them because a lot of the cameras come pre-packaged with a, a, with kit, a, lens, with a yeah. kit zoom lens on it. And, and that becomes the, the norm, um, that they think that's how the world works for photography and then in the old days i mean when i first started you know my first body i bought was a canon body and i had 50 mil lens yeah and then i um i think the second lens i bought was a 28 mil and then i bought a 135 mil so that was mm. my three lenses and i bought a teleconverter that i could put on put on the 135 to give me like a 270 that's right yeah. two times yeah. teleconverter but it was interesting because what you did is you just foot zoomed you just worked with those that's right those lenses and that's how it used to be yeah and then you know when i mean although you know some of the some of the um zoom lenses are amazing i mean i love my 70 to 200 2.8 yeah incredible lens heavy lens yep <laughs> <laughs> um so i mean it is good but i think people do it's good a good exercise for people to go out there and actually experience prime 
Oh, I, I very much agree with that. Uh, and I would probably suggest to anyone listening, if you're looking to buy new gear, um, you know, or if you're looking to buy gear to, to go into a genre, research your genre, research the gear, ask photographers, ask around what they use, what their primary, their go-tos are, uh, and, and actually go out and buy, deliberately buy the body and then the lens to go with it. Don't just go for a kit lens because the kit lenses are often not the, t- the best tool for the trade. Yeah. And I think what's interesting for people who are going out and maybe looking at, you know, doing their first purchase on cameras is, is that um, your body will change, but if you invest in good glass yep. and, and you keep in within the same format and platform, you can keep using those lenses. A bit like, say, to people like with tripods, buy a really good tripod mm. because you'll have lots of bodies yeah. <laughs> and you keep one really rigid, really good tripod. Um, and I think the same thing happens, like I said, once you, wherever you, you know, whatever camp you, you're shooting in, buy the best glass that you can afford in that, in that particular brand because it, it will actually exactly. come back to, to pay your dividends. Yeah, yeah, uh, it definitely does. You know, there was a saying that I think um, a colleague of mine, Mel Sinclair, who's an amazing landscape photographer, said recently around, you know, the purchasing of like um, storage gear, stuff to store, you, you know, database. Yes. Not databases, your hard drives hard and drive stuff like that, and your, your NAS systems and stuff like that. And it was interesting because she said the saying that she said is, um, "Get it wrong, pay twice. Get it right, pay once." Yeah. And you know because you you might go okay, well you might go okay, well a lens, a good lens might be worth two and a half thousand dollars. But if you actually go, okay, well, I'm just going to go with a cheaper brand that may not, you know, because that, that's what I can afford, yep. you may end up spending the money to get that $2,500 lens at a later date Yeah, look, you I, didn't need to. You I, know, I, was so. after, I was after a lens um, and I made, I made this mistake. I bought a lens um, and it was a third-party lens for my Canon camera. Yeah. Read a few reviews, said, look, at 400 mils, it's as good as the Canon. Only to buy that lens, and it was one of my most disappointing purchases ever. Mm. That I went out and shot with it a couple of times, and it sat on the shelf. And then I bit the bullet and I went out and bought the Canon L series lens that I should have bought to start with. Yeah. Um, because I, it wasn't even in the same ballpark, like cheese and chalk. But I know it, it, it's it's one of those things. Sometimes you it's you make that mistake and you mm. pay for it. <laughs> Yeah, you do. And yeah. I mean, like I said, I use the Sigma lens on, on the Nikon cameras or a Canon camera, but, you know, the Sigma brand, they did spend some time a while ago doing some R&D and the art series are up there with the Exactly. And, and that's what you said. You've got to, you've got to, and look, if you've got the ability sometimes to be able to, to try a lens with someone else or whatever, I mean, there's a lot of photographers who are, are quite happy to give people a bit of a hand as well. Oh, there understanding, are. You know, because Absolutely. one of the things I've noticed about doing this um, these podcasts is a lot of photographers, once they get to that point where they're comfortable in their own skin, what they're doing, they're very happy to mentor and help other photographers coming through. Absolutely. Just to give them, you know, a little bit of advice or say, you know, I'm not thinking about buying this. Do you think I should put my money here or my money there because I've only got a small amount to invest? Mm. Where am I going to kind of benefit the most? And they're some of the things that, you understand that more when you get more experience. Yeah. But when you're first starting out, it's it's quite quite difficult. Yeah, and I mean, I'm I'm personally am very open with my knowledge. You know, I I started somewhere as all we, as we all did. We yep. all started somewhere. I started somewhere, and I had a number of mentors along the way 
Um, you know, Steve Jones was one of those. He's a local photographer. William Long is another one. You know, I mean, these are big names in the industry. Yep. You know, and then there uh, are other, you know, other photographers. I mean, they're two, two big names that have had a, a very big impact in my life. And, you know, if it wasn't for the some of the unprecedented advice and free advice from, from them and even people like Colin Baker from, from Canon and, and then like Julian and Julie and Kylie from Nikon, if it wasn't for some of the advice and support that I've received from those guys, I wouldn't be where I am today. Yep. So for me, it is a very big and a very important thing to then go, well, someone helped me. So now that I am where I'm at, it's okay for me to help somebody else because... It's all just, you know, and, and I'm a big believer in karma and yep. I'm a big believer that, you know, when you give, the, the universe gives back. Yep. And I've certainly seen that in, in my life and in my achievements and in my <laughs> career. So, and, and let's talk about some of your achievements because you've had some, you've really, you know, received a few things in the, the past yeah. little bit. So you want to just kind of expand <laughs> on that? Yeah, so so I, I've received in the last, oh God, five years, I'm going to have to try and list them all. Um, you know, most recently, I won Queensland for 2018, Queensland Professional Photographer of the Year, uh, overall winner. Um, that was after winning Queensland Documentary Photographer of the Year, again with my birth work. And yep. the image I shared on social media on Instagram the other day was one of those images. Um, prior to that, I've also taken out two Australian titles, so Australian Best Photographer of the Year in 2015 and in 2016. And in, um, in Las Vegas at the WP, big WPPI competition over there, I've won two first places, two second places and a third um, over th four years. Yep. So very exciting and I mean, it hasn't actually been announced on Facebook yet because I'm waiting on the certificates, but um, just a week and 10 days ago, I also won second and third place in photojournalism over in London at the um, Societies of Wedding Portrait Photographers Convention. Yep. So, and, and, and how does that, I mean, that validates what you're doing, you're doing something right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 look, I think for me, it's com entering competitions isn't about competing against others, it's about competing against myself. Yeah. You know, and, and always striving to be better at my craft and striving to be a better photographer. And, you know, it's, that's, I think, a, that's why I do it. And yep. it's really, you know, oh, look, it's great to, to win and to achieve. But, you know, I think the first year I started off, I entered the Queensland Professional Photography Awards in 2013, I think it was. And um, I bombed out big time. I got yep. nothing, you know, and I walked away from that thing. You know, I walked into that thinking I was an awesome photographer, walked away from that thinking, wow, what ha what just happened? And it, it was at that point that somebody actually said to me that weekend at the dinner uh, that, you know, actually turned around and said, you know, Selena, you'll never amount to anything. You'll never become anything. You'll never become somebody. You know, your work is never going to be up to scratch. You'll never and you'll, you'll never be any, anyone and you'll never go anywhere with your work. And that was like a red rag to a bull. That yep. was like a challenge, you yep. know, for me. And now I've just taken that above and beyond. And in the last five years, achieved more than I had in the last twenty. So, <laughs> yeah. And I think look, attitudes are very important when you're presented with a situation like that. You yeah. could have easily gone and hit under a rock and said, "That's it. Throw my cameras away. I'm not going to go anywhere." But you, you actually used that to actually inspire yourself. Yeah to get yourself to another place. And it's interesting, a lot of photographers really underestimate their ability and what they can actually do. And sometimes it just takes determination and drive to get you there. Yeah. And and I've seen it happen with a lot of photographers and I'm, I'm, I talked to a lot of photographers and I've had photographers that I wanted to talk on the show and they go, oh look, my, my work's not that interesting or I 
haven't really done much. And I've looked at what they've done. And I'm going, wow, like, <laughs> you're serious? Yeah. But, I mean, it's one of those things that I think it is worthwhile for people to enter into awards. Um, and, I mean, how do you find being, like, you're a member of AOPP, how do yep. you find that that's been helpful to your career? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You know, I guess, you know, people talk about the AOPP as not being a, you know, but people don't know who the AOPP Clients don't know who the AOPP is. For me, it's not necessarily about people finding me because I'm an ARPP photographer, which ideally is what we would yeah. love as an organisation. But, you know, um, for me, it's about people finding me for who I am and then that validating that validating and giving me credibility. Yeah. And so having those awards, you know, well, I, like I said, I do it for me. I don't, I don't even do it for my clients, to yeah. be honest, yeah. I, or my business. I yeah. do it for me. And it's, it's amazing to be able to then go, well, hey, look at what I've just achieved. Hell, you know, yeah. this, is, this is so awesome. But even even to this day, like I still, there are times when I look at the trophy that sits on my cabinet, um, and I think to myself, did I even do that? Like, no, that couldn't be mine, you know. And and that comes down to you know something called imposter syndrome. You never think you're worthy yep. of it. You never think you're good enough. And I mean, not even people at the top of their games, they like me, they always do it. I'm always questioning myself and whether I'm I'm feeling worthy of what I've got. And, and I think that's really they're really good words of encouragement for people who may be listening to this, who's starting out and are feeling that, you know, that their photography is not good enough or whatever. And I think it's it's one of those things that we, and I think it's a creative thing. Yeah. Um, that people do really underestimate their talent. And, and sometimes it takes people, you know, 30 people to point it out to them and they still don't always see it. <laughs> Oh, look, I'm achieving what I've achieved and I still don't think of myself like that. Um, but, it, 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 yeah, I mean, I've got the stuff to prove it, but I still don't think of myself like that. You know, I guess, you know, anyone that's in that space, you know, it's really important, I believe, that to keep persisting. Persistence is something, you know, and that takes courage when you fail or yeah. in, the, in, in, a, in... I heard a quote the other day and it said, um, a professional photographer is an amateur who never gave up. Yes. And very it kind true. of is. You kind of just got to keep. It's very true. Keep going. That you just got to. Yeah. You look at you look at the, the the top photographers in the world. You know, and if 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 someone is struggling, you know, someone listening to this podcast is struggling to find their place in the world. Go and have a look at. Go and find some of their the people that they look up to, and go and do some research about their background and where they've come from and the yep. adversity that they've they've gotten through and I can pretty much tell you now that no one has ever had success come overnight when yep. it comes to photography it, it's something that you they a lot of blood sweat and tears yep. a lot of persistence a lot of consistency and and having having a crew I think having a crew whether that's a photography crew or whether that's having a crew of people around you that believe in you and support you along the journey is really really important and and touching on that because that is very important that you surround yourself with like-minded creatives and that's one of the advantages of being in someone like AIPP because you've, you've got this pool of knowledge yeah and support that you can lever off of if you need to absolutely you know I mean we've well, I mean, I'm on the AIPP Queensland Council at the moment and you know we offer uh, we're offering a lot of free events. We're also offering we offer events to to members that you know come at a, a cheaper price. Um, and it, it is a matter of you know it's really important to facilitate abilities for learning. And the benefit for me, I joined the AIPP in two thousand and thirteen, 
2012, um, in 2012, and the benefit for me, I didn't, I, up until that point, because I'd been in the industry for a while um, at that stage, I was like, I don't need that, RVP, you know, I don't need something, I don't need, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm doing a right of my own, yep. you know. But it wasn't until I joined the ARPP and started to surround myself with like-minded individuals that my career took off. Yes. And my business took off and my skills took off because you're able to tap into the knowledge of others. And being in an organisation like the ARPP, it allows... People are very open to sharing their knowledge in, in, a, in a place like that. I mean, it doesn't have to be the ARPP. It could be a, a camera club, yep. you know, which is where a lot of people... I started in a camera club yep. in, in when I won stuff, I won a... Um, champion print in 99 at Redlands Camera Club down at Wellington Point Cleveland Way. Um, so, you know, it, starting somewhere, surrounding yourself by a group of people, you know, it could be the Canon Collective. It's another, you know, there, there are these places, these hubs that, you know, people can go to, to to become part of a community and being part of that community will, will grow you in ways you never imagined. And, I, and, and look, I'm bound to speak to someone who kind of understands what you're talking about. Yeah. Because we've talked about this on this podcast before about how quite often your family doesn't get you as a photographer. Mm. They think you're a little bit strange. That <laughs> you want to get up at this ungodly hour yeah. to drive some ridiculous distance in the chance of maybe catching a nice sunrise. And look, my family didn't support me at first either. You know, I went into my original career before I went into full-time photography um, was as an environmental scientist. And I was encouraged by my family to my parents to go into study and to, to get a real job. Yep. Um, you know, and at that point they were like, well, there's not a lot of money in creative industries and, you know, you've got to work hard for that if you really want to make it happen. And so I didn't really pursue that. And it really wasn't until I started to pursue it full time that, you know, things changed a lot for me. It doesn't have to be full time, you know, I started part time and then I built my way up to that. But family and even my current husband, you know, my current husband, um, my husband, um, even my husband now, you know, like he supports me now and he, he's on my, he's my number one supporter now. But even in those early days when I left, a, you know, a six figure government job to actually pursue full time photography, um, even he at that point was like, we gave me six months. We both gave me six months and said, you know, okay, well, we've got six months to make this work. Yeah. And here I am five years later yep. still working as a full-time photographer achieving what I'm achieving loving what I'm doing and no interest in going back to government so <laughs> it's um you know it, it's a matter of you know you, it, there will be naysayers there will be people that don't believe in you but you know it's it's those that have the courage to, to push on yep. and to pursue and to persist um, that will go ahead and succeed it's funny last night we were out shooting at a one of the spots that we like to shoot at, and there's Lake Samsonvale, beautiful for sunsets, and came across another photographer who's got a very big Instagram following. Mm. And we were talking about um, the, some of the criticism that he's got, that he, you know, he's had this um, account that he's grown the numbers, and then once he started going past people, he said, it's strange how people just change their whole perception of you, and all of a sudden, you know, they're trying to shove a knife in you, and oh, it's, it's weird. So. But it is that, it's that tall poppy syndrome sometimes. Absolutely. Yeah. And, I mean, I've had lots of knives in my back. And, it, well, the one back in 2013 that told me I would never become anything. Yep. You know, it was, 
I've had lots of knives in. I have people all the time trying to take me out, you know, and it's like at the end of the day, it's like if you're doing something right, you're going to be upsetting somebody. Yes. Because people become jealous. People become, they want what you've got. And and it's not that you're doing anything wrong. It's that, you know, you're doing it right because and they want to be you. And photography is no different to the rest of the side. There's a lot of people in photography who are unhappy in their lives. Yeah. You know, like we see a lot of road rage on the roads. There's a lot of people driving around who obviously for whatever reason not happy Jan and yeah. they take it out on other road users it's no different we do see photographers and behaving badly sometimes but in general and in, in general I think um, the industry is a great industry and when you do find those right people and you surround yourself with the right people it is a very nurturing and you know environment that you yeah. can grow absolutely it is a, it is you're right it's the right people and you know I've, I've been through various groups of friends and various people and they've come and gone from my life and both in personal and obviously in photography and uh, I'm, I'm quite happy with the group that I've settled with you know I feel that they value the same things that I do and I, you know I've got a wonderful photographer friend down in Melbourne called uh, not Melbourne Hobart called Fiona and and her and I we talk all the time you know we are we bounce off each other and yep. having at least one person or a crew of people around you that you can go to to talk about how you're feeling if you've had a really bad day or a client's abused you because you know you forgot to to shrink their arm um, in a portrait <laughs> you know it, you know being able to talk to somebody about that is you know we we we, we live in a very we work in a very uh, what i would class an isolated lonely industry we're yes. often sole traders that you know run work from home or work from little tiny studios and being able to to rely on other people and that's where the rpp is good because you can go and do the events and, and you end up developing this little crew of people i think networking look is in all businesses networking is important but particularly in photography because having people that you can reach out to like you said you know um you got a situation where you couldn't shoot you yeah. could reach out to another photographer to come and do that for you so it keeps things rolling along where, where do you see your photography in five years from now? Have you thought about where you'd like to be or where you think you might be? Um, interestingly enough, it's interesting you're asking that question because I'm feeling quite a shift at the moment. Um, it's started to come in the last sort of six months that things are shifting for me. You know, I love my birth photography. I don't think I'll give up, be giving that up anytime soon, but I'm, I'm not really sure. Uh, there are other genres I'm keen to dabble in and other areas that I'm keen to look into. Um, but I think at the moment, in, oh, I don't know, in five years' time, I'm still going to be photographing where, what that is and what what that looks like. And, and, what, te- and what technology is going to be offering up. And what up. technology. I mean, we're, I think we're, on a, we're in a, a particular point in time with technology, particularly in imaging technology, the next five years, I think we're going to see some huge, huge changes, which will give us, um, you know, the possibility to shoot in incredibly low light. Yeah. Still get tack sharp pictures. Um, I'm just blown away by some of the camera phones. A friend got one of the new Samsung, and we're out, and I got the new iPhone 10, and but he was taking some night shots in the city, and I'm looking at his phone, going, "How's that thing doing that?" Yeah. <laughs> It's amazing. So I think yeah, but we've got a lot of a lot of things to look forward to. Well, you look at how young I guess photography is, you know, per se. You know how young the actual industry is. You know, it's not been that long that we've had cameras in or the scheme of of life. You know, um, you know, and even since you know the invent of digital, you know, even how far that's come and how quickly phone technology is coming. Um, like it's, 
I'm excited to see where the future goes with technology and I'm excited to see what, you know, the big brands and stuff come up with. But, but also from a creative point of view, it, it allows you to explore things that you possibly thought about but couldn't yeah. technically do because, and look, it's funny when people ask the question about when they should upgrade their camera, uh, quite often I say to people, it's when the camera starts to hold you back, you know, yeah. then that if there's something that's a bit better, that's the time to make the move that when you're kind of, you're using, you're stringing every little bit out of that camera you can get. Yeah, I mean, yeah, for me, I've got the, I currently got the 5G Mark III. Yeah. Um, and that for me has been enough. Yeah. Up, un, up until recently, and now I'm, I'm looking at what options I've got. I'm, I'm very keen to explore more in terms of video. Yep. And, I think and video, interesting, video is becoming more and more a part of a photographer's um, workload. It is, absolutely. And, and, yeah. and it's because the um, what video can deliver, um, it's more engagement. It is, yeah, it is definitely more engagement. It, it's something that it adds, a, it supports photography and, and vice versa. Yeah. Well, Selena, look, thank you for coming in. Is there anything that you'd like to, you know, as a parting comment to people or, or suggestion to um, people listening out there that something that, just something, one thing you may have learnt that you'd really want to pass on or? Um, I think, you know, I think the be the best bit of advice that I can give to anybody, whether they're starting out, whether they're, you know, stuck in a rut, whether they're looking for something new is to be brave. You know, get out there, be brave and, and go and, ex you know, don't be afraid to fit into somebody else's box, like to, to fit into, uh, you know, to not fit in the box. Um, I think we, we, we seek... In a way, we seek perfection, but the best part, the best thing, the most one thing I love most about photography is there is no rules. You know, there are the basic, you know, rules around composition and rule of thirds and all of that sort of stuff. But sometimes, you know, those rules are meant to be broken when it comes to being creative. Or challenged. And, and challenged, mm -hmm. yeah. So, yeah, that would be my recommendation. Get out, find your crew, keep you, keep plugging along. And just be brave with what you do and yep. and be you, do you, because no one else can be you. Exactly. So where could people find your work? What what platforms are you on? So I'm on um, Facebook, Instagram. I've got a website as well. I have two two sort of areas of my work that I do. So my main birth photography and newborn and maternity stuff is under Brisbane Birth Photography. Yep. So you can find that um, www.brisbanebirthphotography.com.au um, and then you know Facebook is similar slash Brisbane Birth Photography yeah, and as well. same thing as Instagram at Brisbane Birth Photography. So pretty easy to find. Yep. Um, and then you know my personal projects and my personal work can be found at um, selinarollison.com.au. Um, or no, just .com, I think it is, um, selinarollison.com. That's yep. my page. Um, but I'm also on um, Instagram as selina underscore rollison underscore photographer yep. um, and, um, and Facebook as well. So, yeah, get in and have a look at my work and send me a message. Let me know you've That's what I was going to say. If people want to reach out and just have a bit of a, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm more, more than happy to share my knowledge and more than happy to talk to people about what I've learnt and... Yeah, I love I love what I love I love being a photographer and that's yeah, what it and, and, and that comes through when you're talking. You can tell you're passionate about what you do and, and like I said, your your clients are probably very lucky to to have you on their side <laughs> <laughs> shooting from. So look, thanks oh, again. I'm lucky I'm lucky to have my clients. <laughs> well that's true too. It's a it's a two way street. <laughs> it is, I like yeah. And I, I have the, I just gotta say I have the best clients. <laughs> All, right. All right, well thank you. Thank you very much for All having right. me. No worries. Awesome. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Photo Mission Exposure. If you liked the episode, please leave a comment. Also, you can follow us. Don't forget to tune into another episode soon. Thank you.